You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. My head though goes with the blackbird song I move. I must move on. Today we're talking with Melissa Leilani Larson. Thanks for joining us, Mel. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Mel is originally from Haula, Hawaii. She's a writer currently based in Provo, Utah. She's the award-winning author of a number of plays and films, including Martyr's Crossing, Little Happy Secrets, and an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. She holds a BA in English from Brigham Young University and an MFA from the Iowa Playwrights Workshop. To keep up with Mel's many theater and film projects, follow her on Twitter. Uh, her username is Mel underscore Leilani, or check in at her website, which is melissaleilanilarson.com. All right, well, let's get right into the current project that, I guess you're not working on it right now, but it's in production. You wrote the screenplay for Freetown. Yes, that's correct. So Freetown is an upcoming movie directed by Garrett Batty who directed The Saratov Approach. Uh, I was wondering if you could give us a little synopsis of the film. Uh, Sure. Um, Freetown is inspired by a true story. Um, It's set in 1990 um, during the onset of the Liberian Civil War um, in Monrovia, the capital city of Liberia in Africa. And it's the story of a group of native Liberian missionaries who um, basically make a desperate cross-country trip to escape the damage and carnage of the war. And how did you get involved with the project? Um, A long time ago, and we're not going to talk about exactly when, (laughs) (laughs) I was a student um, at BYU and I had a couple of classes with Garrett. So we've been friends for a long time. And earlier this year, um, he sent me a Facebook message and asked me if I'd be interested in collaborating on a project with him. And I was really excited at the possibility of working with Garrett because he had just um, was experiencing all this great success with uh, the Suratov approach. And, um, and I was excited at the possibility of working on a film with him that was actually going to get done because sometimes that's half the battle with film is, you know, actually getting it made. So um, when he uh, messaged me, I met with him and we talked about Freetown. And it's a true story that he found in the... Um, his research, church history archives, and uh, and it's a pretty amazing story. So talk to me about the development of the script and what kind of how you got started, what the challenges were. Well, the the big challenges for me, I mean, um, is it's somewhere, it's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse, my comfort zone. Um, I, something I have, a goal I have as a writer is to make, um, is to make, strong roles for women and um and I feel like I that's something that I do well um um and so this is a movie about missionaries Mm -hmm. and um, not only are they male missionaries but they are um Liberians they're from another country Mm -hmm. and so I had to do some research and um and I had to I I like to get into the shoes of my characters and walk around for a bit and try to figure out who they are and so that was a little more tricky than it usually is for me um but I think really rewarding um 
So I did a lot of research um, looking at the original stories of the missionaries who were involved in this situation. And at the Liberian Civil War, there's some really terrible things that were happening. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about, oh, I was going through the drama of, of junior high school and there was this civil war that was tearing up this country on the other side of the world. Um, it's really sobering when you think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the challenge was for me to, to, to find ways to make these, um, to make these missionaries um, full, well-rounded characters and to also make them separate and individual because there are six of them, you know, and you've mm-hmm. got six guys in white shirts and ties and they all have to be individual people because that's what they are in real life. Um, and we also have a really interesting character, um, Philip Abubakar, who is our, he was a member of the branch presidency. And when the missionaries make their escape of Monrovia, they drive in Brother Abubakar's Corolla and he basically drives them um, across the border into Sierra Leone. And he became a very important part of the story. And, uh, and almost, uh, you can make an argument for him being the protagonist of the hmm. film that he kind of is the one that carries us through. It's his POV. Um, and he's, uh, experiencing things. It's a little bit more of, uh, a civilian perspective for lack of a better word, because he's not one of the elders. Um, but he's experiencing everything right alongside them. So one of the things that's interesting to me about this film is that if there's any subgenre of Mormon film, it's the missionary film. Mm-hmm. So did you think about it when you were writing it? I mean, we've got God's Army, States of Grace, The Other Side of Heaven, The Best Two Years. Christian Vuisa did Errand of Angels about two sister missionaries. Which is great. That hasn't really happened before. Yeah. So what is it like writing a missionary course, yeah. film, especially in light of the fact that there have been so many missionary films? Well, I think what makes it different and what attracted me to the project is that it's um, it's about missionaries, but not necessarily about missionary work, um, if that makes any sense. Mm. it's I would say that a lot of those films that you listed are about the experience of being a missionary and the difficulty of teaching people and, uh, you know, the stress of the mission. Like, and, and, and what I think is interesting about Freetown is it's about a bunch of guys who were serving missions and who they got stopped in their tracks. They really enjoyed teaching, but because of the war, they're not supposed to teach. And they are like, well, we need to get to where we can teach again. And so they have to travel to Sierra Leone. They have to leave Liberia and get to Sierra Leone so that they can proceed with their missions. So it's almost like, um, yes, they are missionaries and missionary work does play into the film, but it's not the focus of the film. Yeah, I see. That makes sense. So what you're saying is there aren't going to be any scenes where an elder makes a greenie eat some exotic food or <laughs> no, no, <there's laughs> that's, that's really nasty. And no one jumps up on a bus and yells empanada. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, because while it's about um, missionaries and the mission culture is very much a part of the story and it's ingrained into things and the way that they talk to each other and that they are, you know, their companions and companions have each other's backs and it's about them wanting to get to where the mission president is. Um, all of that is really important. But it's also, I think, about kind of how potentially um, investigators and non-Mormons may see missionaries. Like they don't necessarily, I think, always want to see missionaries 
teaching. They want to see missionaries be normal human beings. And in the, in, in the case of Freetown, it's about, the movie is about survival. It's about getting to the next day so that you can teach. Yeah, I mean, all those videos on YouTube recently, the missionaries saving the ducklings. The I love mis- that one. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the, uh, the missionary breakdancing, although there was some debate about whether or not he was actually breakdancing. Still, people really he liked was- those. I, I think you're right. I think that that kind of more personal side of missionaries is something that's really appealing to people. I, yeah, I would totally agree because it's, I think the thing that makes people apprehensive about missionaries is they don't necessarily want a lecture. They don't necessarily want to be told that they're wrong and their lifestyle. They don't want, they, there are certain um, stigmas about missionary work that um, non-members don't want. They're, I mean, and it's understandable, you know, you don't want strangers necessarily coming into your home and spending 45 minutes telling you how wrong your life is. I mean, I know um, I do. Don't you though? Let's call the missionaries right now. Get over to Catherine's house and tell her how wrong she is. <laughs> um, isn't that what you have home teachers for? Oh. That's potentially inappropriate. Anyway. <laughs> if you can get them over. <laughs> if you can get your home teachers to come over, they're just going to spend time telling you. Um, but it's, I, I think that sometimes people think that missionaries are robots and all that they do is teach, 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 and hope that someone catches a little bit of something and gets baptized. And because I, I there the the there's a mysticism around Mormonism for for lack of a better phrase, the outside world. And mm-hmm. and I think the hope with something like Freetown is that we hope to demystify some of that by showing that these are ordinary guys um in a in a really crucially you know, dangerous situation, mm-hmm. but they just happen to be LDS missionaries. And and how are they going to deal with where they are? And really, is it so crazy if you're in a crazy death-defying situation to, you know, drop to your knees and pray? Is that so crazy when, you know, there are guns going off all around you? And I'm going to see how many times I can use the word crazy <laughs> right on top of each other. Bam. Well, that's interesting. That, that carries... Um the theme of the Saratov, one of the themes of the Saratov approach. In that movie, I remember there there are these moments where they said, you know, are we missionaries or not? That was mm-hmm. that was definitely um, a theme that I, I think actually made the film um, uniquely Mormon. You couldn't have had that particular hostage film without the the Mormon elements in it because it, it brings up this conflict. You know, I'm, I'm here serving these people. My duty is to love them and show charity and teach them about their eternal potential. Um, and almost see them as, you know, my children, definitely as brothers and sisters. And yet they're trying to kill me and I need to protect myself. Um, so that, that's really interesting that 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 that's kind of a theme that has showed up in both of these works it's true yeah it's it's very true because it's not i think i think a way that people either lds or non-lds think about missionaries uh and yet it's very true to life Mm -hmm. yeah it's complicated so um one of the things that has been talked a lot about in mormon art circles over the last couple years is the lack of international Mormon art. And I've seen a lot of outreach um, to try to get more international voices. Um, Tell me about this film and the maybe more global perspective 
it takes? Uh, sure. I think that's actually one of the aspects of the story that's really, really interesting. I mean, to think about it being historically, um, it being a true story. Um, one of the elders involved, um, Elder Forkpaw, was one of the first, if not the first, um, Native African members of the church to um, receive the Melchizedek priesthood. Oh, interesting. And um, and so there are a lot of little things in the story that are that have, I think, historical precedence. And uh, and that aside, the making of the film, um, I think, is is a really great statement about this being an international church, because what happened was um, uh, Garrett decided um, Garrett and, and Three Coins Productions. Um, and uh, Adam Abel, who's the, the producer with Garrett, he produced the Saints and Soldiers movies. Adam and Garrett um, and just a handful of other um, filmmakers from the States traveled to Africa um, to shoot the film uh, for the month of September. The rest of the crew that they hired, they hired in Ghana where they did, um, where they completed principal photography. And, um, and most of the cast, the only two members of the cast who are um, not of African descent are the mission president uh, who was American and his wife. And they are only in the film very, very briefly. Um, wow. The rest of the cast was, um, was cast on location wow. in Ghana. So the, the majority of the cast and the crew are, um, are Ghanaian. And I think it's really interesting. They are a mix of um, faiths. There are some LDS people in the cast and the crew. There are there are non-LDS people in the cast and the crew. Um, and that also, I think, says something uh, really powerful about what the church is and what it represents globally. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting. Um, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish so much I could have been there. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't like financially viable for me to go but it would have been really pretty awesome yeah so. well that's the glamorous life of a screenwriter huh it's true i live in a very small room um with a very big collection of pens and i just write things all day <laughs> it's very um, very glamorous um i need a new lamp it's very it's a little dark in here <laughs> the writer's cave um it's okay because you live in in the exciting world of your imagination it's so true. And in this in this world, I'm a very good um, actor and I'm a very good director. So look out. So Freetown is coming out in April. You can watch the trailer on Hulu. And just before we move on to what you've been working on recently and a couple other questions I have, what would you say to our listeners that they can expect from from Freetown? I mean, what what was your experience what did you get out of it? And what are, what do you think that our listeners will get out of it just in a broad sense? Um, well, there are a couple of things that I got out of it. Um, the, I think probably the biggest for me personally as an LDS artist is I did not, um, I did not serve a mission. Um, and yet I feel like the work that I have been doing and the talents that um, God has given me, um, are a mission of sorts mm -hmm. um, that's both comparable and non-comparable to to serving an actual proselytizing mission. 
Um, but doing that research and thinking about these men and what they went through um, is probably, for me, one of the closest um, and most complete understandings that I've had of what of how missions work and what missionaries do. And it gave me a really um, a much stronger and deeper appreciation for that than I had had before. So, and I hope that that happens for people who see the film, who who see that these um, these missionaries were amazing men who had um, incredible. It took real guts to do what they did, both to teach where they um, were living, and and then on top of that, you have um, a war. You know, it's it's really an incredible it's an incredible story, and to think about it being true is just is kind of mind blowing. So I think that um, I hope that people will have that experience and appreciate that um, if they don't already, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about also in April. April's going to be busy for you. Also April in, is going to be so busy. <laughs> <laughs> also in April, you have uh, an upcoming play. Um, so tell us just briefly about that. Sure. Um, I have a play uh, called Pilot Program, and um, it's a drama. Um, it's a supposition, actually, in the script under the title. I have a subtitle that says a supposition. Um, it's a hypothetical set in the very near future. It's set in Holiday, Utah um, in 2019, and it's the story of a uh, happily married, active, LDS couple, professional couple in their 40s um, who are, who don't have any children and who are called to participate in a pilot program in which the church um, reinstates the practice of polygamy. And, uh, and so it's about uh, their um, acceptance of this calling and about some of the uh, drama and awkwardness that comes with that. <laughs> I mean, it's actually highly unlikely that the church will uh, will bring polygamy back into right. practice, but it's interesting to think about it in, in light of the recent law changes here in Utah and the decriminalization of, of polygamy in 2013. And the fact that it is a suddenly a legal possibility makes me wonder if things could change and if they could change, what would it be like? And and that's one of the one of the um, really nice things about the theater is sometimes you can experiment with those questions and explore them. Yeah, well, and I really appreciate that you're working on that project because I I think a lot of times um, I mean non Mormons obviously feel uncomfortable with the plural marriage in the church's past, and most Mormons that I know feel pretty uncomfortable with that. And what's interesting is that a lot of people outside of the church condemn it. Even some people inside of the church, maybe who are not sure why it happened or, I mean, there are a lot of opinions about what it meant, what the purpose was. But so often, I don't think that we actually think about what the lived experience was like and that it was hard. And that's that's continually what you see in records of people who lived, who felt that they were called to live that. It was hard. And what was their everyday experience like? What did they have to go through? I think that going through that mental exercise would probably make you feel some empathy, even if 
you still feel some discomfort with the idea. Exactly. I mean, I mean, if if I in my position today have discomfort with it, imagine the discomfort of the people who actually were part of um, plural marriages. I mean, because it has to be awkward and difficult. Marriage just between two people is a difficult thing. You know, relationships are hard. Can you imagine if you have a difficult relationship between a man and a woman? Um, and you know, even the happiest of marriages, there are. That's part of what a marriage is, is working through things. And so if you put in another wife and then another and then another, it's just like, I can't imagine it's so complicated and, um, and it's, it's really, it's really difficult. And for me personally, I mean, the, the answer to that question, being a single woman in, in a, in a marriage culture, it's like, well, am I supposed to be grateful for the possibility of someday maybe being somebody's second wife and that to me today being an independent person who I do what I do and I'm take care of myself and I'm for the most part I think successful at what I want to do and it's like am I supposed to say yay for for being brought on to somebody else's tagged on to somebody else's relationship somebody else's marriage is that supposed to be attractive am I supposed to be thankful for that um, but then me saying no is not something you write a play about. So I'm like, well, what if the answer is yes? And then that's how pilot program came into being. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, yeah, if you say, if she says no, then, you know, it's a very short play. Right. Right. So yeah, pilot program, I'm really excited about it. And, um, it's, it's, I'm excited about it in that terror filled kind of way. <laughs> I think I think that there are some important things that it says. Um, I don't. It is about character rather than agenda, but I do think that it's something. It was really good for me to think through it and to, as you said, it, to use it as a mental exercise and to um, experiment with those ideas um, as I was writing the play. So I'm hoping that audiences will appreciate um, that experience as well. Um, the play has been selected to be on uh, the current season at Plan B Theatre Company in Salt Lake, and it will go up April 9th through the 19th of 2015. Okay, great. Well, Mel, what advice do you have for aspiring Mormon playwrights and screenwriters? When I'm teaching a writing class, the first thing that I think it's important to remember is I think sometimes when you're new at writing, um, you have a tendency to get really epic about things. And you think, um, not necessarily outside of the box, but outside of where you are. And, um, and I think one of the most important things as a writer is to realize who you are as a person and how that's important to your art. And, um, and once upon a time, when I was starting out as a writer, um, Mormonness was not something I was I was fairly certain it was going to keep me from being famous, keep me from being the next Robin McKinley, keep me from being, you know, the successful writer that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also, as a Mormon, didn't think that I was interesting enough to write about. Um, Looking back on that now and thinking about how culturally rich and diverse Mormons are, especially now that Mormons are all over the world that the that the LDS church is an international church Mm -hmm. um there's so much to to glean 
from experience and from, you know, spiritual. Oh, there's a word that's missing. But, you know, that that connection that we have because of the gospel to to God and to each other is so important to who we are Mm -hmm. and how it's a beautiful thing. So why aren't we writing about it? And there's nothing wrong with embracing who you are. And and there's an adage that goes, you should write what you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said, you know, for doing research for something you might not know quite that much about and for getting to know it well enough to write about it. But should you be starting there? Not necessarily. And so sometimes when I write about um, Mormon topics and Mormon characters, I feel a little bit like coming home. I feel like this is, you know, this is important and this is, it's a step in the right direction for us as as artists. I feel like, um, I feel a responsibility to the story, to tell the story as best I possibly can, as honestly as I possibly can. If the story happens to be significantly LDS in its content, okay, I will not um, look down my nose at that the way I would when I was um, a freshman or a sophomore uh, at BYU. Um, Mormon stories are important and need to be told. Those aren't the only stories that I as a writer want to tell, but they are important. And, um, and sometimes we have a tendency to get upset at people outside of the church telling our stories for us and telling them incorrectly. Um, but hey, if, if all we're going to do is make a stink about it, we don't really have a right to make a stink about it. We mm-hmm. have to be telling those stories. We have to take ownership of who we are. We have to take ownership of our culture and we have to make art. Yeah, well, I'm going to transcribe that and make that the vision statement for Mormon Artist. Oh, <laughs> there are probably too many M dashes in it. Let's, let's edit it a little bit, but yes. Oh, you made my head all big. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I mean, Mormons have interesting stories to tell and a unique perspective, and, and we need to tell them well. So I appreciate, I appreciate what you're doing. Mel, thanks for joining us. It's been great fun. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll have you on again, I'm sure. Oh, hey, that's great. We should do that. Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net. Music for this podcast was adapted from Blackberry's Hedge by Secret Jane. Copyrighted under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States License.